Amen. So have a seat and God bless you. And you know, last week I had said that uh, we were in the middle of uh, sermon number two of, uh, of Haggai. And, and guess what? I made a mistake. I did. I did. It was actually sermon number, well, like this week we're on sermon number three. And, and uh, yeah, and so anyways, it was actually, anyways, it was a mistake. <laughs> I was studying and I was like, I am pretty sure, and I even opened up my notes. I was like, I'm pretty sure I said last week we were doing the second half of sermon number two, and it was actually, and, 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 I, was, and I was all feeling really bad, and I thought, oh, the people were misled. But it wasn't intentional. I just want you to know. So now we're working on the end of it. We're reaching the end of Haggai. And um, you know what? Um, if you really want to know how it works, this is how I had it. And I can't even believe it. You know, the Bible's right in front of me, and I still did it. But that's okay for all you people. You know, some people there on YouTube world and Facebook world just listen to point out your mistakes. It's okay. I will, I'll admit it too. I'll admit to my mistakes so nobody has to point it out. But um, if you went to uh, <laughs> the beginning of Haggai, if you went to chapter 1, you have the word of the Lord came. And that's Haggai's very first message. And then if you were to um, stir down uh, and, and uh, continue on, it, it, as you see the word of the Lord came and the word of the Lord came, those are his messages he preached uh, four messages, and uh, so just to let you know, that's that's where we're at tonight. We are in chapter two, verses ten to nineteen, and um, next week we're going to be looking at the grand sum of it all and how this book ends. I could have included it tonight, but you know what? I thought now I'm just going to save it for next week. So read with me, chapter two, verses ten to nineteen. On the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet. Thus says the Lord of hosts, ask the priest about the law. If someone carries the holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches with his fold bread or stew or wine or oil or any kind of food, does it become holy? The priest answered and said, no. Then Haggai said, if somebody who is unclean by contact with a dead body touches any of these, does it become unclean? The priest answered and said, it does become unclean. Then Haggai answered and said, so it is with this people and with this nation before me, declares the Lord. And so with every work of their hands and what they offer there is unclean. Now then, consider from this day onward, before stone was placed upon stone in the temple of the Lord, how did you fare? When one came to a heap of 20 measures, there were but 10. When one came to the wine vat to draw 50 measures, there was but 20. I struck you and all of the products of your toil with blight and with mildew and with hail, yet you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. Consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, consider from this day onward. Since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider. Is the seed yet in the barn? 
Indeed, the wine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have yielded nothing, but from this day on, I will bless you. So do you remember um, the year that um, the, it was the Olympics, and Ben Johnson was running, and uh, he was running against the American chap, what was his name? If Carl Lewis, thank you. And, and they were running, and Ben Johnson ran the race, and he ran it exceptionally well, and he finished the race first with 9.79 as the uh, finishing number, and everybody was cheering him on, and was it not the next day, if not the next day, very shortly thereafter, it was found that he had had drugs within his body, and they attributed that that dynamite that flew out of those boxes and allowed him to finish this race with such a great number. Like, I, I, I used to run the 100-meter dash, and I was not anywhere near 9.79. I was like, I, I think the, mo- the, the best I had was 14. So when, when <laughs> 14 seconds. So when I would watch the Olympics and see them run, anything under 10, I was like, wow. Like, did they, did they breathe? And uh, so when it was determined that he had had drugs in his body, they said that this is what allowed him to finish so well because he had steroids in his system. And so he was disqualified. And so I want to ask you tonight, how are you running your race? What is truly in your system? How are you running your Christian walk with the Lord? How is your relationship with the Lord tonight? Because the Lord addressed the children of Israel as they returned. This is what we have been noticing, that God was very honest with them. And in tonight's passage, he addressed how they were walking with him. And so every now and then, you know what? We need to do a spiritual checkup on ourselves. How am I walking, Lord? You know, we could raise hands in church, but it doesn't necessarily mean our heart is actually in worship. You can have a person that doesn't have their hands raised in church and they are in the deepest place of worship and contemplation. They may be very lost in the lyrics of the song. And their hand is not raised. As a matter of fact, they may be staring straight ahead. Their eyes may not even be closed, but their heart may be fully engaged with God. You may have another person who is just a swaying to the music, and they're saying every word that is on the screen, and yet their heart may not even be thinking of the words that they're saying. A spiritual checkup. Where are you at tonight? And so God addresses the Hebrew nation at this time. And beginning with verse 10, he says, On the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet. So right now we are already understanding that he has a special announcement to make to his people. And this message is coming at a specific time. It's coming three months after the very first message that Haggai gave. And it's coming two months after what we looked at last week. After when God warned, when God said to them, in a little while, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. It's, it is a mes- message directly to the congregation 
of Israel, not to the leadership, but to the congregation. And we're going to see that he has to address something that is prevailing within the congregation. Something is amiss. Something is wrong. And God is going to pinpoint it with them. So as I said, this message comes at three months after the starting of the rebuilding of Zerubbabel's temple. It's two months after where we were last week when God promised them that great things were going to take place if they would be only obedient to him. But then he says this, verse 11, thus says the Lord of hosts, ask the priests about the law. If someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches it with his fold bread or stew or wine or oil or any kind of food, does it become holy? The priest answered and said, no. Then Haggai said, if someone who is unclean by contact with dead body touches any of these, does it become unclean? And the priest answered and said, it does become unclean. So God asks a question to the people, but he asks it in a picture form so that they could follow along. Have you ever talked with somebody and you, and, and you looked at their face and it just seemed like they weren't engaging, they weren't tracking with you, and you said, let me explain it to you this way. This is why I used the illustration of Ben Johnson several years ago when he ran the race because I wanted you to picture in your mind somebody running the race so that you can picture yourself in your spiritual walk. Am I running the race? And so God makes a picture illustration to them and he asks the question of the people, but yet it's the priests who respond. The question is not hard. There's not a fail uh, there, there's not a way that they could fail this question. In fact, even the youngest among them could have answered the question. And the question is clean versus holy, unclean versus unholy. So is God asking because he wants to learn something? Let's me see how much they know. Is he asking because he needs to know something? He's asking because he needs to open their eyes to reveal their heart. Whenever you're reading the word of God and there's a question that you have read, there's something that is, is being asked. It's not because God is asking as in he needs to know. He's asking as in you need to consider. Where are you at? You need to consider. And so he asks them and, uh, the, the question, and they give their answer. The priests respond. So the, the term here that he's looking at is holy. If you consider in the Hebrew, we all know what holy means, right? The, the Hebrew word is kodesh. And what does it mean? Separatedness, to be set apart for the purposes of God. So if something is holy, it's been set apart for the purposes of God. When the priest made a sacrifice of an animal, that animal was set apart for the purposes of God, for this purpose of the sacrifice. In the Greek, the same word for holy is hegios, and it means holy or saint. So whether you're looking at it in, from a Greek perspective or a Hebrew perspective, it still is to be set aside for the purpose of God. So now the illustration is in reference to this holy meat. 
has, that has been sacrificed on the altar by the priest. And the question is, is this meat unholy or is it clean? Is it holy or is it clean? And, and they, what do the priests respond? Thus says the Lord of hosts, ask the priests about the law. If someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches it in the fold, uh, fold bread or stew or wine or oil or any kind of food, does it become unholy? And the priests answered no. Was that a wrong answer? The priests say that it... When if someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches it with his fold, with his fold bread or stew or wine or any kind of food, does it become holy? And the priest be, and the priest said no. Is that correct? That's right. Holiness is not contagious. Just because you're standing be beside somebody in church that is walking upright before the Lord, that is walking separated as unto the Lord, that is walking a holy lifestyle, it does not make you holy. Okay? Holiness is not contagious. This is, this is something that we need to understand. Holiness is something that has been set apart. So if that is true, the very opposite is true. Right? The next question. Once meat was consecrated to God and, and, and kept apart, set apart by the priest, it was if it came in contact with anything unclean, then it was considered unclean, right? Because that's how the question goes on. If someone who is unclean by contact with a dead body touches any of these, does it become unclean? And the priest answered, it does become unclean. Did we not, a couple weeks ago, address the scripture verse that um, uh, I'm sorry, I forgot the location, the address of it. A good co company corrupts a good, uh, bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company corrupts good morals. And so this is the essence of this. Once the meat was consecrated to God, it was to be kept in a special way and away from what was considered unclean. When I was um, in a place doing some mission work at one point in time, there was some meat that was left outside. Uh, somehow I knew that that meat was going to be our dinner. And, and I'd seen it on the chair there, and some flies had gathered around it and were on it, and, and I was taken aghast because I knew it was going to be our dinner. And so I, 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 because I, I was m measuring those flies that were on it. Flies are very dirty, right? And so I mentioned to one of the ladies, I said, oh, um, I noticed that the meat has been sitting out for quite a while. Did you want to, like it's in the sun, and, and I wasn't finishing my sentence, but I'm suggesting maybe you want to get it out of the sun. Maybe you want to put it someplace where you won't, where it won't get contaminated was my concern, because my concern was would then later be eating that meat, right? When we, when we come, when the meat would come into contact with something that was unclean, it would then make it unclean. What was God getting at? It was about the hearts of the people. He wanted them to see it was about their 
hearts. There's a larger issue that God is wanting to address, the attitude of, their, of these people towards God. Remember, they had come out of exile. They had come out of exile, and they began to build their altar. And as they began to build their altar, they started the race well. But then, as we saw, they allowed some distractions to come in. Verse 14 of, of chapter 2, now continue on, says this, Then Haggai answered, and said, so it is with this people and with this nation before me, declares the Lord. And so with every work of their hands and what they offer, there is unclean. God wants the people to know, listen, I am a holy God. And what you have done in the past, that unclean, that unclean and unholy living style, you have not sought to change your heart. You have not sought to change your attitude. And I am a holy God. And he, he addresses them not as my people. He doesn't address them as my holy nation. He addresses them as so it is with this people. Look at this child. Your, your son has been misbehaving all day. The father comes home from work and the mother has had her wits end. The kid is miserable and tired. Maybe the kid missed their nap. Who knows? But, and what does she say to the husband? Look at this child. Your son. All of a sudden, because she's upset with the behavior of the child, God is addressing the behavior of his people. And he says, so it is with this people. It seems very harsh that God would address them in such a way. But they have separated themselves from God with their sinful lifestyle, with their sinful conditions. What was that? Well, we saw it in the beginning. If you've been tracking with us, we saw that they got their panel houses. They got distracted and they started working on their own panel houses. If you went to verse... Um, Verse 4 of chapter 1, and it says, Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your panel houses while this house lies in ruin? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. So God is addressing them and their, their condition of living. He's addressing them as saying, look, you have allowed yourself to separate yourself from me. You've allowed your sinful conditions to govern your manner of living. And I'm saying, I want a people who has been set apart from me. I want a people who has, has searched to worship me. They were spiritually unclean. And they trespassed in their, their covenant relationship with God. They had walked in disobedience. And they strayed in their relationship and their walk with God. That's what had happened to them. And that happens to us how often when we are going about our days, going about our weeks, we get caught up in everything that we easily forget our commitments to the Lord. We easily forget that time alone with God in his word. We easily forget that time of, of, of prayer and intimacy with him. And before one day becomes a week, one week becomes a month, one month becomes months, one months become a year. And all of a sudden we go... 
And we're like, but God, where are you? And he says, well, I've been here all along. You've allowed the cares of your day. You've allowed the distractions that are around you to, to distract you. They may have been obedient. We see them because he says to them, as we learned the past two weeks, be strong and work. And so they're working. They're working. They're going about it. But they're not engaged with their heart. They've started to do the work, but they're not engaged with their heart. And how many today have entered into that place of the church, that temple, if we want to call it, and they get busy in the church, they're working in the church, and how many denominations are out there that they, they have taught the more works that people do, the closer they will be in relationship with God. And God's not looking for a people who are busy about their works. He's looking for a people who are in relationship with him, in personal intimacy with him. That's what God is saying. He wanted them to know, listen, I am a holy God. And just because you, you've got yourselves busy in the church, it doesn't mean your heart is engaged with me. God can make them holy. It doesn't make, you know, I could come to church every single day of the week. I could come and sit in this pew. I could vacuum. I could do whatever. Da, da, da. It doesn't make me holy. What's going to make me holy? I could do all kinds of things. But coming here and doing all those things isn't going to make me holy. What's going to make me holy is when I'm getting into the word of God. And the word of God is getting into me. And it's changing my thinking. It's changing my walk. It's changing the way I do things. It's changing the way I, I exchange conversation with. That is where the intimacy factor comes in. Religious activity in the church, religious activity doesn't equal a devoted heart. But please, don't misunderstand me. There are many people who are very devoted to God, who walk in a very intimate relationship with him, that are busy in the church. So I'm not saying that that does not happen. I'm saying that there are those that get lost in the busyness and their heart is not engaged. Spiritual busyness does not make up for lack of spiritual intimacy. Only an intimate and personal relationship with God is what will foster an intimacy with him. What does God say? What's he getting at here? He's saying to the people, rebuilding the temple, I know I see that you're rebuilding. I see you heard me. Work for I am with you. But you know what? It's not making you a holy nation. I see you're putting the bricks on, but it doesn't make you a holy nation. This type of holiness can only come when you walk with me, when you walk in obedience to my word, when you are in intimacy with me. 
that kind of holiness can only come. Psalm 24 verses 4 to 5 says this. The one with clean hands and a pure heart will receive a blessing from the Lord. If you go to verse 3, if you jump up, and sorry, TJ, I didn't give it to you. It said, who may ascend to the hill of the Lord but him who has clean hands and a pure heart? Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? Don't think you could just rush in there like a bull in a china china shop. Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? The one with clean hands and a pure heart. Psalm 51 verse 10. What was the cry? Create in me a clean heart. Create in me a clean heart. Matthew 5 verse 8. What did Jesus say? Blessed are the pure in heart. 2 Corinthians 7 and 1. We need to cleanse ourselves from our impurities. Why? So that holiness can come. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of the body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of the Lord. You know what? A simple bad thought could defile your whole day. It's happened to me. A bad, bad, a negative thought entered in first thing in the morning, and it just made me grumpy and miserable the rest of the day. It didn't happen to you? Am I the only honest one here? <laughs> yeah, right? It could just defile the whole day. It could ruin the whole day. And who planted that negative thought in your head? And you gave him permission. You opened that door. Hebrews 10 and 20. Two, draw near with a true heart, hearts that are clean. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. This is the kind of relationship that God is looking for us to have with him. He wanted Israel to know and to understand it's not about the building, yet he wanted his temple to be rebuilt. But it was about the relationship with him because the ultimate temple that he is looking to be built is this the temple that is within you the ultimate the, the temple of zerubbabel the temple of solomon were just pictures for us of the future temple that jesus would make within us in that relationship that he would have. Know you not that your body is a temple of what? The Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes to make residence within us. Because God's ultimate, ultimate goal is that we would walk in relationship with us. We would walk in relationship with him. So he can make things clean. But we have to go to him and say, cleanse my heart, God. We have to be honest. And this is what they weren't doing. They weren't being honest. So he drew a picture and he says, so if we have some meat that's been sacrificed, is it dirty? Uh, if it, and, and he's drawing a picture because he's wanting them to go, oh, that's me. Oh, oh, I'm that. 
I'm that picture right now. Verse 15, now then, consider from this day onward. Before a stone was placed upon a stone in the temple of the Lord, how did you fare? How did you fare? When one came to a heap of 20 measures, there were but 10. When one came to the wine vat to draw 50 measures, there was but 20. I struck you and all the products of your toil with blight and with mildew and with hail, and yet you did not turn to me. Yet you did not turn to me. I was the one who allowed all these things to happen. And yet you did not turn to me. When Job went through all the afflictions that he went to, did he stray from God? And yet the enemy says, oh, if you afflict Job, for sure he's going to betray you. For sure, just as my version of the, for sure he's going to flee from you. He's not going to serve you. But God here is saying to the children of Israel, listen, I struck you in all the products of your toil with blithe and mildew and hail, and yet you did not turn to me. He wants to prove his point to the people. He wants to prove to them, look, a heap of 20 measures was only 10. 50 measures of wine, only 20. Crops struck with disease, mildew, hail. How How did it go for you, he says, How did it go for you while you were just doing this stone upon stone? How did it go for you? You came up short. You're lacking. Why? Because of your unwillingness to obey. You come into into the church service. You hear the word of the Lord. The Lord ministers something to your heart, and you walk out, and you don't walk in the obedience of what he spoke to you about. That's what was happening with them. God was speaking directly at them, calling to them to that place of repentance, but they weren't. You know, Zechariah, right in parallel with Haggai, was speaking um, to the people, and what does he say to them? Return to me. Return to me. In uh, verses 3 to 6, Therefore say to them, Thus declares the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Do not be like your fathers to whom the former prophets cried out. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return from your evil ways, from your evil deeds, but they did not hear or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. For your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? But my words and my statutes with which I commanded my servants, the prophets, did they not overtake your fathers? So they repented and said, as the Lord of hosts proposed to deal with us for our ways and deeds, so has he dealt with us. Consider your ways from this Day forward. Now that you're putting stone upon stone, why don't you consider what you're doing? Consider how you're living. Consider what you did before coming into the house of the Lord. Have you ever... (laughs) Have you ever driven to church and you had an argument with the person in the car? It it only happened to me again. It's okay. I'll just be that one. And, And you had an argument with the person in the car and then you got out of the car and God bless you brother how are you today sister so good to see you but you just had a powerhouse of an exchange in the car right consider your ways don't you want to make it right 
before the Lord, forgive me for that argument. Forgive me for those things that I said as I go into your house today, as I worship you to Lord, today, Lord, let it not be a hindrance within me. Let my heart fully engage with you. Come on, am I, on, am I the only one who's ever had an argument with their kids on the way to church on a Sunday morning? Next week, if you make me late, I'll leave you at home. And that's the worst, the worst way you could discipline your kids is to leave them at home. Bring them to church and let the fire of God convict them. <laughs> Just kidding. But anyways, God wants them. Consider from this day forwards. I want what I am saying to you. Take it to heart. He's saying, take it to heart. Let what I'm saying to you cause you to separate yourself from the bondage. You remember the bondage you were in? Remember the exile that you came out of? You've come to this place. You're rebuilding the temple. You started the race well, but then you allowed another substance to get in you. And you allowed that other substance to be what caused you to propel forward. And you thought you were winning the race, but you weren't winning, winning the race. You were allowing this other thing to be your motivation. And that's what happened to Ben Johnson. That substance got in him and it gave him that, that forward motion. It gave him that extra push. And that's what allowed him to win the race. But in the end, did he really win the race? What? God in you that interrupted what God wanted to do in you and through you. You see, this is something, it's, it's so simple. It's so simple. The Lord just wants us to consider our ways on a daily basis, whether it's in the home, whether it's in car, en route to work or to school or to wherever we may be going, consider your ways. You know, you could go to a grocery store and be upset at all the prices and how high everything is costing nowadays and go to the till and complain to that cashier and they've heard every other person before you complain. Or you could go to that till and say, how's your day? Good to see you. And you may be the only light. Consider your ways. Are you allowing God to operate in and through you? Stop doing the things your way. Stop living according to what you think is the right measure that's going to make you appear to others as being holy. At the end of the day, if you appeared to everyone around you as though you were holy, but before God, there was an angst in the heart. But before God, there was an area that he kept ministering to you about to bring into alignment, to bring into check. Where would you be? Oh, but... Speak to sister so-and-so. She'll tell you that I prayed for her last week. And da, 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 Oh, speak to brother. And oh, you could. And, and you want to give of your resume of the stones that you've put. One on top of it, the other. As he said, consider from this day forward. Before stone was placed upon stone. 
and the temple. Oh, don't make your resume with what you have to line up for what you did right before the Lord, but make your resume this, verse 18, consider from this day onward the 24th day of the ninth, ninth month since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Consider, is the seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the wine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have yielded nothing, but from this day on, I will bless you. Once you lay the foundation of God in your life and you build upon the true foundation of God, then you make room for him to bring the blessing in. Roman, Paul said it this way in Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to what? To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Everything that I'm doing is going to point towards my spiritual worship before God the Father. Everything that I'm doing is to point myself as holy and acceptable before the Father. And you know what? I make mistakes every day. I started by telling you last week I made a mistake and numbered the sermon wrong. Every day we fall short. But every day we go before the Father and we say, Lord, here I am with clean hands and a pure heart. Would you search me, O God, and know my heart today and see if there be any wicked way in me? Is that not how the psalmist said it? Again, let's go to Zechariah. Return from your evil ways. Return from your evil deeds. Return to me, and I will return to you. Return to me. That's what God's calling us to do, to return to him and to walk close. Make, it, make ourselves in submission and obedience to the Lord. He wants to rebuild that temple that is within us. He wants to take our lives and mold us, but he's asking us, please don't put on your religious hat. Please don't put on your religious garb. Just walk in sincerity of heart before me. Consider your ways. Consider from this day forward, can we all agree that, Lord, as of today, October the 19th, from this day forward, I will walk conscientiously before you, considering my ways, considering my thoughts, considering my actions, that I may ascend to your hill, that my hands may be clean hands, that my heart may be a pure heart, that that which flows out from me is you being revealed to others. Can we make that our prayer tonight? As we rebuild the temple, as we come out of that place of exile that COVID put us, and we go back to that place of rebuilding, can we choose from this day forward? I'm going to consider my ways. You know what will attract people to your Jesus? Not the great big loud words that you say, not the, the, the perfect testimony. Some people say, oh, I don't have a good enough testimony. No, it's how you live when, when you think they're not watching you. It's how you talk when you didn't know they were listening to you. 
Because you could say all the right words, but when you don't know that they're in the room on the other side of the wall and they've overheard everything that you said, that's the greater testimony to them. That's the testimony that says, I want to know their Jesus. You remember you were just sharing, uh, Pastor Dino, about when your sister was dying. The nurse overheard them praying. And that's what drew her to want to know God. Because she overheard. It's not what you get up to say as a powerful testimony. It's what you didn't know people heard you say. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Acknowledge the Lord today. Lord, I need you. I need you in my life every day. I need you to build this temple to be more like you so that I could build the greater temple, so that I could be a contribution to the greater temple, the temple that, that, Lord, you are building within the congregation of this church. Lord, would you build within me that I could be an influence to others around me? Can we consider from this day, October 19th, Lord, I want to ascend to your hill with clean hands and a pure heart. Simple message a question asked in a pictorial way so that we could consider our ways. Father God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for your word. And I thank you that, Lord, you didn't make it complicated for us to look at ourselves with sincerity and pureness of heart. Lord, that between us and you, we can be nothing other than honest. That, Lord, when we turn... And we, we can't point to someone else and say, but they and but she, Lord, we can only point to ourselves and say, Lord, here am I. Would you cleanse me? Would you search me? And may I walk holy and upright before you. Lord, as we are in this place of rebuilding the temple, and as we are in this place of, of rebuilding, Lord, what church looks like post-COVID, Lord, may we first build the temple of our heart and the temple of our lives to draw glory to you, to draw honor to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Don't forget next week as we just look at the grand sum of it all of Haggai. all stand together. We're just going to sing one chorus as we prepare our hearts to pray, to cry out to God.